I want to share a message with you this morning uh, that I've entitled Connect Together, and that is sort of a title that I got from the Department of Redundancy Department, um, because really connecting together are, are really uh, almost duplication in words, but, uh, but this is our series, A Place to Belong. Um, I thank you for those of you that, that wore uh, some I Love My Church shirts um, I, I, we've even ordered some additional ones if you don't have one and you'd like one or if you'd like one of the, the wristbands that say I love my church uh, I know that Kay has some of those in the office so you can make sure that you can grab those but I want to talk about the church it says I love my church that's what we're, we're talking about is we're talking about the church and, and belonging to the church is the church a place where people uh, do belong and feel like they can belong. And, and so for just a quick second here, I want to talk about the state of the church in America. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's in an interesting place. Numerically speaking, half of all the churches in America are below 100. That's, that's numerically speaking, 50% are less than 100 now, there's 40% of the churches in America are between 100 and 350, and then there's 10% in America where the church is larger than 350. But that's not really, the, the I think, the, the big question. The big question is what direction are those churches going right now? In their, in their history and in their development, where are they going? What direction are those churches going? Are they growing or are they declining? In 2016, Tom Rainer finished up a three-year study of a thousand randomly selected churches here in America, and here's what Rainer discovered, that 56% of the churches in America are in what is called decline. Another 9% are plateaued, and 35% of the churches in America are growing. What we could say is that two out of every three churches in America are not growing. They're either, they're either plateaued or in decline. That's, that's literally two out of every three that we, we drive by, that we see as we're going about our day. The question is why? Why are some churches declining while other churches are growing? And I know that the answer that, that's on your lips right now is that some are adding people and some are losing people, right? I just wanted to say that before Nikki actually said it out loud for me. She's only jealous that she didn't get it in first. But why is that the case? Here's the better answer. I believe that, that growing churches are doing a better job of creating an atmosphere where people are getting connected with one another I, and, and with God. I believe that literally what they're doing is they are creating an atmosphere where people feel that they belong. And it doesn't matter how big your church is. Your church can be under 100, 
That's, that's not the, the key factor. Your church can be between 100 and 350. It can be a church of over 350. It doesn't matter. What matters is the atmosphere where people are allowed to feel like they are part of something, like they belong. Several years ago, I, I can still remember where I was. I was driving uh, east on 480 from my home headed toward Chocolate here, and I was on the phone with a guy that used to attend church here for a number of years. And uh, his job moved him to Green Bay. And he and his wife made the decision to attend a specific church in the Green Bay area, and it happened to be the, the church that my brother planted in De Pere, so I knew this church very well, and my folks were still attending that church. And he and I are on the phone, and he said, you know, Silver Creek was just way too big for me. Okay, that's, this is, I'm just, just telling you the conversation. I didn't give you his name, so it's not like you can give him a hard time or something if you knew him, which 99% of you would not. But he said, he said, Silver Creek was just way too big for me. And here was the next thought through my mind. The church that you now are attending is bigger than Silver Creek is. That doesn't make sense. It literally does not make sense to me that someone would say, oh, that church, that your church, way too big for me, and then go to a bigger church and not have the same complaint about that particular church. His perspective didn't make sense to me, but the answer to the, that, 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 the question that I have is connectedness. You see, when he and his wife began to go to church there in De Pere, what they did was something that they didn't do here. They began to get involved. In fact, my mom recruited them as part of the hospitality team. So they were standing at the door shaking hands with people. They were working at the coffee bar. They were doing things to serve other people. And all of a sudden, a connection grew that had never happened in their lives previously. That's what made all the difference in the world. I've been, I've been reading a statistic, I, I, and I read it a number of years ago, and I, I've, I've just sort of... Uh, you know, it's been something that I've held on to and, and I recall and I, I think about it from time to time. But there's a statistic that says no matter how many people are in your church, okay, let's remember 50% are under 100, 40% are between 100 and 350, 10% over 350. Doesn't matter what size church you attend, you only will know 40 names. Some of you are saying, if I had to spit out 40 names right now, I'd be in big trouble, right? I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm pastor, I'm terrible with names. That's why I call you pastor. <laughs> it's really easy because you're the pastor. And it's, you know, and if you worked on their car, they would call you mechanic, okay? That's just, you know, they're just that bad with names, you know? Uh, but, but people would say, I don't even know if I know 100. The common factor for this guy was that he got connected, that he got involved. I know the people in the church that he attends. I know the pastor. I know the staff. They're good people, but they're not any different or any better than people here at Silver Creek. What's the difference? 
That guy was the difference. What he did, that was ultimately the difference. So the comfort factor in the equation is, am I connected? So I'm going to give you three questions this morning that are going to help us. The first question is this, what does it mean to be connected? Okay, Wearing a shirt that says, I love my church, isn't really enough to make you feel connected. In fact, it can get you made fun of. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out them, but Harv and Shay said they were at breakfast this morning, had their t-shirts on. Harv told me this this morning. There were people in the restaurant pointing at them and laughing at them. Now, I'm just going to assume it's the shirt, okay? I'm... I'm... Be, Shay... Shay... Shay's like my, my long lost sister, that older sister that I didn't know I had. And so we're, we got a great relationship. And so they, I mean, if they were laughing at me, I wouldn't know for sure if it was the shirt or not. But we're, they're laughing. They're pointing and laughing. Why? Somebody would actually say that they love their church, that they would actually put that out there. According to Webster, being the word connect or connected that and that we're talking about this morning it means two things one is to join or fasten together usually by something intervening i want you to remember that something has to intervene that's the, that's a, a very key point then secondly it means to establish in relationship so what do we really mean when we talk about being connected As a church, and today I want to look at both of these definitions, and I want to start with looking at the early church. The early church had a sense of connectedness. We read about it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were together. When you're together, when you have things in common, there is a sense of connectedness. In order to really find out what Luke means about that, let's back up two verses to verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that that word fellowship in the Bible is the Greek word koinonia. And that word is, what it means is it's involved in a a deeper level of fellowship than just an informal social gathering. And I want you to think about that for just a second, because... The first time I read that uh, several months ago, I thought it was just talking about the church as a social gathering, an informal social gathering. But what I began to realize is it's also just talking about our daily lives. It's more than just an informal social gathering. There's something that's deeper. There is a level and an essential element of participation in koinonia. And we realize that in the Greek, it's not just koinonia, it's the koinonia. It's the fellowship. You see, fellowship just means, oh, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's talk or let's, let's eat a meal or whatever. But it's, 
the fellowship. It's literally referring to the church, the fellowship, in, in a sense of that being what the church is. So whether the church, the early church was 100 and 20, whether it was 500, whether it was 3,000, whether it was 4,500, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And the participation of these individuals was based on what they held in common. The idea of connected, it means to participate in something together, to have something in common. And the early church focused on the apostles' teaching and the, their own participation in the fellowship. They believed something that no one else in the world believed. This is what identified them as the church. They believed that the man named Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, that he came from God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, not as punishment for his sin or breaking the law, but he died for their sin. And that on the third day, he rose again to new life, and that he has promised that one day he would return and take them home to be with him. That was their common, their common experience. That was their baseline. That was their, their fundamental shared experiences. Whether they were witnesses of this, and there were many. <clears throat> the scripture says it. There are many witnesses still alive at the time of the writing of the New Testament. But maybe they were someone that wasn't a witness. They only heard about it and they heard the gospel message and accepted Christ. They were, they were not eyewitnesses, but yet they were witnesses because they had this experience with Christ of accepting Him as their personal Savior. Over the past couple of weeks whether it was on Facebook or, or maybe something that I said in the service. I, I, I've been praying for a fellow pastor uh, who is from uh, down near the Milwaukee area. And um, uh, two weeks ago Thursday, um, he had uh, open heart surgery, and he had a, a double bypass like I did. And um, then he also had a double valve replacement, which puts his surgery at a much more challenging level physically, and the recovery, I would imagine, would also be uh, much more difficult. <clears throat> but his name is Ron, and, uh, and every day I would look for updates from his family. Sometimes they were just a, a sentence, sometimes they were a list of prayer needs, Sometimes his son would record a video and just share uh, different things. And so I, I really began to, uh, to follow those very closely. And in the morning in my, my personal devotional time, I would, uh, I would just begin to, to pray for him and intercede for him. And, and the question is, why, why would I do that? I live, I live five hours away from him. I've met him a couple times. He's preached here. But what is it? that would cause me to have that sort of connection to him. And I'll tell you what it is. It's a shared experience. I knew what he was going through to a degree. Now, now I, I'm, I'm blessed, I thank the Lord, that literally from the moment they took me off the heart pump, I began an upward trajectory. 
I began to improve from the moment the doctor said, as soon as they removed me from my heart pump, my heart began to function at 100%. Ron never made it off the heart pump for two weeks. He never made it off the ventilator. I remember about a five-second window of waking up while I was still on the ventilator. That's all I remember. He would open his eyes for a few seconds and, and, and wiggle his toes on command, but was on the ventilator so long it began to chap his, his, his lips and, and really do uh, it caused his lips even to bleed. I knew some of what his family was going through or what my family could have gone through had I gone the direction that he had gone and that, that literally I, I'd, I'd not come out of it, that I'd not come off the ventilator. That I could only imagine what that would be like. And, and I would honestly tell you the only concern that I had about that surgery was the ventilator. That was the only concern that I had. And I, and I don't even remember more than a few seconds of that. But I was so connected, so connected. And I remember waking up in the morning and thinking, what will I hear today? Lord, what, what's going to happen today in Ron's life? Lord, will you heal him? And ultimately, God has completely healed him and restored him. And Ron went to be with Jesus last Wednesday. And I, I, I feel for his family. I feel for his church. Why? Because, because I, I was really at, almost at that place. And, and, and mine went different than his did. But I felt that, that sense of connection with him. It was a common experience. When we've participated in a common experience that's been a big one, there, there's a bond that takes place in our lives. When, when something, when you do something and have a common experience with someone, no one can take that away. It is a depth that happens in that relationship. And the, the foundational experience that you and I have together here as part of the body of Christ is this, that we have experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is the foundational experience that we have. Above anything else, we have that to, to rest upon. And that common experience um, is, is in the past, but yet we renew it together every time we get together. That's why the focus, that's why they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the getting together. Why? Because you renew that experience that you had years ago or months ago when you came to know Jesus and literally... There is a welling up together. We talked about this, the promise of God's presence. We get to sense that presence in a new way. We renew that experience when we come together. But we need more to keep us going. Question number two, how do we connect together? I've been operating on a statistic, uh, a statistical uh, fact that, that I had been told years ago that, um, that the annual rate of attrition in the church is 8%. In other words, what that means is that throughout the course of, of the year, in any church in America, on average, 8% of people, uh, they, they, they may pass away, 
They may move away. They may get a new job that takes them away. Um, they, they might make the decision to just stop going to church, or they may choose to go to another church, but 8% attrition. I read a statistic the other day that said that that number is 15%. So in other words, the average church... That, that's going to be a growing church. And remember, we said that only 35% of churches in America are actually growing churches. In order to grow, you would have to replace somewhere between 8 and 15% of your people every single year. Now, 8% may not seem like a whole bunch, but, but what happens after 10 years? Multiply 8 times 10. 80%. You're practically remaking yourself as the church every 10 to 12 years or less, depending on which is more accurate. They say, and, and, and I literally, I believe that the key factor to any church that is healthy is a constant influx of new people in the church. Another statistic that just will thrill you to death, and I, I know this, that this is going to make you excited, but um, from the moment a guest has their first contact with someone in the church, okay, and this morning that would have been uh, Carl in the parking lot. Carl, thank you very much. Carl placed out the, the, the uh, guest parking signs this morning. Carl was out there to greet people. He was opening doors for people. But 10 minutes from that point, Carl, a, a guest will have made up their mind whether or not they will be back to your church a second time. 10 minutes, okay? You know, if, you, if a friend of yours says, hey, tell me about your church, you know what you're going to tell them? Oh man, we got all oh, that worship. We got, man, we got some wonderful worship. The pastor's not terrible, you know. You're, you're gonna, you, you got, you're gonna say, you know, stuff like, guess what? Doesn't matter. They've already made up their mind. Before that wonderful worship ever takes place, before that not quite terrible pastor begins to preach, they've already made up their mind whether or not they're going to come back. So after church, you can just take it easy because they're either not coming or they're coming, but they've already made up their mind what it's going to be. And when you take those statistics and you put them all together, what it tells us, what, and I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to depress you, but I'm going to just, you know, the, some of the things that we've been learning is that, that statistically only 16% of Americans attend church on a consistent basis, and, and that not only that, but 8 to 15% of them will leave their church on an annual basis, and the new people that do walk in the door will make up their mind within 10 minutes. How in the world can there be even one church in America that's growing? With those kinds of statistics, and yet, and yet, Jesus calls us and says, I will build my church. Growing churches are places where people feel connected. This past week, and I, I got permission to share this, this past week one of the ladies of the church brought a friend uh, to the office who's battling cancer. She set it up with me and, and uh, she came in for prayer with her friend. 
So I arranged that a couple of our uh, ladies in leadership would join me um, at, at a certain time, and, um, and I, was, I was amazed. I mean, it, it wasn't just this lady and her friend. I mean, it was like three or four other friends. I mean, they just descended on the office. So I, there was an awful lot of women in that room, and I was vastly um, outnumbered and, and, and overwhelmed, and, and so we began to pray for her and, and laid hands on her and anointed anointed her with oil, um, and, and this lady is not a, a lady that attends church uh, regularly, so this could have been very new to her, um, but we, man, we prayed for her, we, and we asked for the power of God to come upon her life, and so we began to talk about, uh, a little bit about how these ladies got connected. How did they become friends? And what they told me was that 30 years ago, they lived in the same neighborhood. And they were raising families. They were doing things together. And it was that, that, common, that common factor that got them started of living in the same place. But now... They don't live in the same neighborhood. I think only one of them still lives in that neighborhood. The rest of them are spread all over. But these women were, were bawling. They were, their tears flowing down their face while they were praying for their friend. They were so connected. In fact, the woman said, she said, these women are the reason I'm hanging on. Okay? I want you to understand what that means. She said, I have not given up on living because of these women. She loved her husband. She said, I have a wonderful husband, but I'm hanging on because these women, these ladies, these friends of mine, these people to whom I'm connected, they are literally keeping me alive. That was unbelievable to me. What's the key? It's not just that they lived in the same neighborhood. It, that was only the common foundation, but the practice of being together is what holds them together. They said, we go out to eat, and they have to give us a table that's way out of the way because we make so much noise. We laugh, and we have such a wonderful time. The common experience is the foundation, but they developed relationships with one another. The apostle, or excuse me, Luke said in Acts chapter 2, it's uh, that the, the early church had this, this, this habit of spending time together in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Sometimes we formalize this like it has to be church. I think they were just spending time with each other. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Yes, Jesus is the foundational experience, but there needs to be more to keep us connected together. There needs to be common vision. There needs to be common purpose. There needs to be common interest. When I have a common interest with someone, it is easy for me to talk a lot with that person about that common interest. It's just easy for me to talk a lot, period. Okay, who am I kidding? But when we have a common interest, people light up like a Christmas tree when you bring up their common interest. If, 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 a, if, a, if a woman is, is all about making quilts and you bring up quilts, 
man, she's, she is so excited. If a, if a guy is into baseball and you ta- or, or a specific team, yeah, if you want to get in with my dad, just bring up the Brewers or the Dodgers, okay? He's going to open up to you like there's, like there's no tomorrow. He's going to be your best friend. When we share a common interest, it's easy for us to, to, to talk together, to be able to share together. Our connections within the church, yeah, they're going to be different with every person, but if the church is really going to be a place that we can belong to, it must be a place where people can go beyond football season, okay? The other day I was in a person's office in Marquette and there's a Green Bay Packer thing on the shelf. I got it. I'm in. I'm in. Start talking about the Packers. Start talking about the Packers and they're, oh, you're a Packer fan. They treat you totally different. Why? Why? You, you just told them you've got a shared experience. You have, you have a common value, Okay. People love that, but it's got to go beyond just football season. What is my purpose? What are my values? What is my vision for the future? We need something to connect us together. And remember, it's something that is intervening, something that is put upon the situation. And when we come together with a sense of purpose, with a sense of vision, what is happening is we are intervening into the relationship between people in the church. When there is a a purpose and a vision to which God has called us, there's something that's intervening. And thirdly, the question is, why is connecting important? You say, well, pastor, if I'm really honest, I'm not really looking for a deeper connection with people in the church. I can work with that. But what's going to happen when something significantly difficult happens in your life? The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14, he said, I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. What did Paul mean by that? He meant that there were such an encouragement to him that even though he was suffering many great persecutions, that he had joy, overwhelming joy in his heart. Why? Because of his relationship with the Corinthian people. It's that relationship that makes a huge difference. And new people in the church, they walk in and they feel like they are all alone. And they come early. They sit down. They get comfortable because they want to know that they're getting the right seat. And they get you know close to the door, close to the aisle, in case they got to make a quick exit. And they, they, they wait. They wait. They, they're waiting to see, is this a place where I can belong? That's ultimately what they want to know. So what sort of an impact, what sort of a difference does it make? Ecclesiastes says this, chapter 4, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Either If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, two lie, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But, if one, uh, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me simply say this, that being connected helps us to get up when we fall down. 
When we struggle, when we fall, when we, when we think, I'm not going to make it, being connected, someone can help lift us up. It produces greater results in our life when we begin to work together and accomplish vision and purpose because we're connected. And being connected helps us from being overpowered by the enemy. And what does it mean, overpowered? If you're overpowered, I think that means you've been defeated. Okay, that's what I think it means. So if being connected keeps us from being overpowered, it means we're going to have victory in Jesus' name. So Paul, throughout his ministry, he refers six different times to dear friends. And I love how he does that. He calls them dear friends. They're not just acquaintances But those were the people that ministered to his needs. Those were the people that supported him in his ministry. Those were the people that he said, pray for me that I will have the right words to share. And God brought victory through their prayers. So if you don't feel satisfied in your church relationship, I want you to know that you have a choice to make. Your choice is like that young guy that went from here in Chocolate, down to Green Bay. You can do it different. You can make the choice to become connected. They say that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting the results that you've been getting. It's time to change it up, to get connected with others. Don't blame others if you're not connected. Take the initiative and begin to do it yourself. So here's the question, would you like to be someone who is connected in the body of Christ? And here's even, I I, I like this one even better, would you like to be someone that helps other people get connected? Man, that's a beautiful thing. When you watch others who facilitate that connection, man, that's incredible. You see, I believe that Silver Creek Church is a place to belong by being connected together. Got a shirt on that says, I love my church. Maybe we ought to have a a t-shirt that says, I'm connected with other people in my church. I belong. I believe that that's what God wants. He wants us to feel a sense of belonging in his church. I believe that he wants us to have that foundational experience with Jesus, but I also think he wants us to connect on the level of of vision, on the level of purpose, on the level of what is God going to accomplish in us together as we live out the calling that he's placed upon our lives. You see, Jesus left a purpose for us. There is a purpose for you and I as the church. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, make disciples. Teach them to obey what I've commanded. It's called the Great Commission. He's given us something to do. Jesus said, I will build my church, but he's using you and I to do it. But when we don't feel connected to one another, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty hard. I'm going to invite you to stand with me all across this place. We're going to close our service this morning, and before we do, I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're out in the hub, just to to bow your heads, close your eyes, just make this a, a place of personal prayer, personal commitment to the Lord.
Father, I, I thank you for these folks that are gathered here today that, that have been willing to endure the warmth. I pray, Lord, that, that there would be something that happens inside of us beyond just the, just the foundational experience of a relationship with Jesus, but there would be something deeper that happens inside of us where we would gather around vision, where we would gather around mission, and that we would come together and be devoted to the fellowship. Father, I pray right now that there would be connectors in this place, men and women and young people that would see themselves as having the gift of connecting with and connecting other people to one another. As we close this service, I, I want to ask you a question. And I've got several of them I want to ask. First one is this, would you like to be a person? This is between you and God. Would you like to be a person that connects others together? Do you want to be that kind of person? If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. Some of you didn't even wait for me to get your, to, to ask that. Do you want to do you want to see you want to help other people get connected? Just keep them up. Maybe, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest. I, I want to connect with some people myself in the church because maybe I'm not feeling connected. Join these that have their hands up. Slip your hand up. Say, yep, Lord, that's me. I, I just want to feel connected. I want to feel connected in the body of Christ. I want to be joined together, not just with the, the fact that we believe in the Messiah, but, but I want to be connected in purpose and in vision. I want to be connected with others. Father, you see these hands. And Lord, I believe that you want to do a work in their lives. I believe you want to do a work in Silver Creek Church. I believe you want to do a work in Marquette County so that when someone shows up at a restaurant to have breakfast, they don't get laughed at. But Lord, we're willing to be laughed at. So Father, I pray right now that you would do something powerful in this place. That the people of Silver Creek would become connected in a greater way. Lord, I thank you because you have called us together. You have called us the church and you desire us to be connected. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.